0: It's going to be a bit chasing the gauges. Yes, you're probably right. I but mean, when did that ever go wrong? I, I I couldn't possibly comment, but I hear tell it's not your best survival strategy. Not overly, no, no. It does lead to one thrashing about like
1: a like a a, a very inept pilot.
0: I'll fit right in then.
1: Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly the eptist myself.
0: I am distinctly unept.
1: The mm. alert. The Britain world needs, alerts. needs alerts. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. If you are alert, you are very welcome around the <laughs> virtual campfire. <laughs> and if you are a non-alert, an aspiring alert, a
1: alertic. Ah, what that would be, an No, no, because no. Ex-lertic it be. from ex from out of alertdom. Oh, ex lerto. Mm. Yes, ex lerto, because it would be in the ablative case, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like um. Ex nihil.o But more with more alerts. Gotta have them. Yeah, absolutely have. I mean, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't fault the overall principle um, of needing alert of needing alert. Um, do you think we've beaten this probably this gag to, to death? Yeah. Yet,
0: I mean, it's, it's not looking so good anymore.
1: Give it a last like prod with your lightsaber and yeah,
0: move on. Let's let's
1: let's let's move let's, on to
0: ambushes and ambries. Ambushes and... Amberries. Amberries? Yeah, they what grow on ambushes. Of course! Yeah. Of
1: course! And you make... Amberry... Am... Out of them. Am. Am sandwiches! Am sandwiches. Oh yeah! With You can do berries.
0: that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Strawberry am ja- Strawberry am sandwiches.
0: Oh, what am I... What are we doing? Well, we're going to do a cast really.
1: Oh yeah, that was it. Hello, lovely listeners. That was why we switched the recorders on. We did.
0: Yeah, we did. Welcome <laughs> to FrizzCast <clears throat> episode one hundred and sixty-one. I, we do know what we're doing. We're professionals. Just not today. <laughs> I've,
1: I've been, I've been professional. I haven't. I mean, I've had a job.
0: In the past, I haven't yet. Oh, been professionals.
1: Well, I all right. It wasn't exactly a job where you had to be terribly professional, but you know. Um, but yeah, no, we know what we're doing. We are, we are, um, um, uh, we are, are proper, proper
0: podcasters. <laughs> I mean, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> what be a proper podcaster? Being a professional. <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, we haven't even got sponsors. Anybody want to sponsor us? Come on, somebody must want to sponsor us. What, who could we be sponsored by? Oh no, we'd have to be sponsored by somebody who fits in with our ethos. What's our e? Do we have an ethos? I don't think I can even spell ethos. Ethos. Yeah. Ethos. It's um.
0: It's um. A, uh, lovely listeners. If you've got some spare, let us know what it is because we've got no clue. Spare ethos. Yeah. Yeah. Do it anything like that, we can create a little space in the virtual campfire for all them spare ethoses to go, Yep, and they can be very happy living out their days on a farm. Yes! Yeah. Ethi? Ethi? I don't know how
1: you... Ethoi, I presume, because it'd be Greek, wouldn't it?
0: I was going to say, are we in Latin or Greek, and how do we pluralise, and it doesn't matter. Hello, lovely listeners. <laughs> Welcome to Frithcast episode 161 settle in. Warm your knees if you haven't already. Grab a drink of choice. Come and join us around the virtual campfire. Hello. Hello. I'm half your hosting team. My name is Suzanne. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff.
1: And I'm Kate. And I'm a, a head with a heathen, with full, a of heathen full of stuff. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a head with no stuff in it at all. I just I just sort of come and
0: tag along. And it's all good. It's all good. It is. Generally speaking. So yeah. Welcome to episode one six one. Music goes here. One six one?
1: Fury one six one. Fury one six one? That was the planet on Alien Three. It was actually called furina One Six One, but they shortened it to Fury. Okay. Uh it was where the prison colony was.
0: Huh. Just thought I'd mention it. See, I was getting images of Nick Fury, and I'm going, how does he, how does he see all these screens? He turns really quickly, and then I was getting Furiosa, and it was a really (laughs) mad mix of like mad match the Avenging Road, and it got very strange in my head there for a second.
1: Imperator Furiosa. Mm. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Didn't understand that film. I've never understood Mad Max films, really.
0: It's just like you know, folks go for a drive. And that's
1: it. And there's shooting and shouting. Yeah. And then it's a bit of
0: fighting. Yeah. And then it stops. Yeah, fair fair fedus.
1: Yeah. And then they blow up the Death Star at the end.
0: Well. Something. And the really traditional ones they do, but they've been kinda going off on a riff on it lately.
1: There's usually a bigger, badder Death Star, isn't there?
0: Yeah. What are we gonna talk about this evening then? Needing a bigger boat.
1: Yeah, you're gonna need a pretty big boat for a Death Star.
0: Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Did you want to talk about something? Yeah. Okay. I did. I wanted to talk about a kind of I've been having a think and it takes a while sometimes. And I wanted to yeah, talk through anger, anger management, toxic masculinity and the concept of forgiveness. Oh good gods. I know, right? How long have we got? I don't know. About thirty minutes, maybe forty if we push (sighs) it.
1: Because most of that we're going to have to spend explaining that toxic masculinity doesn't mean being a man. No. Because I've seen this discussed on the internet. Yes. And I know what happens the minute somebody mentions that phrase. Okay. Everybody goes up like a rocket because they, they think it means we're allowed, having to go at people for being men.
0: No, not particularly. If you identify as a man, or all of the time, you are welcome around the virtual campfire. Absolutely, yeah, no, yeah, it's all good.
1: yeah we, we're gonna, we're gonna,
0: we're gonna explore what it actually means, and yeah, maybe a little bit. We'll touch and, on all of that kind that, of stuff. Yeah. It kind of, it's been a topic that's percolating for a little while, and I started really bringing it into focus when we went to go see a certain film a few days ago. Hmm... And the portrayal of masculinity in that film. And I know what film you're talking
1: about because it's the first one we've seen since Part One of Dune. Yeah. So it's like, a bit of a big deal for us. It's not that we go to the
0: cinema very often,
1: but you know, yeah, we went for this
0: one. And it was thinking about some of the characters, especially in two of the sagas, in. Um, Niall saga and Eagle's saga mm. and comparing them to the portrayal of masculinity uh, patriarchy, toxic masculinity that we saw in the film in Barbie saga in Barbie saga
1: mm.
0: I need to go write this plastic <laughs> pink saga now it's, it needs to happen <sighs> did I give the game away? no Okay. and looking at the portrayal of masculinity and emotion especially things like anger mm. and people keeping uh, and managing their anger yeah and how they display it especially in those two sagas and thinking about the emotions that are shown by the male protagonist in the Barbie film Ken mhm so i thought we'd start with the sagas slide on over to barbie land okay and then come on back to look at toxic masculinity the portrayal of the patriarchy and the concept of forgiveness which kind of it ties in with where i'm thinking because the toxic masculine understanding of heathenry we have is like men extreme it's like masculinity extreme yeah it's very much um the alpha male it's mm-hmm. very much the anger is righteous it's very much much must protect the homestead and the family yeah it's very much show anger and be violent with people mm. um, it's
1: oh, it can be interpreted that way
0: yeah it, it can be very much the ideal is like the hyper masculine mm. and it's an almost it's effectively an unattainable ideal yeah we we fall short of it um, and it's very much the portrayal of masculinity in the film mm-hmm. then reminded me of these two sagas and some of the the research that goes with it looking at emotion. So I thought we'd start with the sagas. Okay. And then take the pink plastic speedboat across to Barbie land. Indeed. Have you got your rollerblades? I have. I do not travel anywhere without them, <laughs> I think is the correct answer. I think you're right. So I want to start with... Um, there's a, a, a research paper uh, and there was originally one in 1994 that looked at emotions in uh, Eagle Saga, but that author only found, they sort of understood that there were only like 14 nouns describing emotion and Eagle Saga is huge. Okay. So there weren't that many mentions of it, but it got re-examined in 2020 and Uh, the the lady who did the re-examining of emotions found a lot bigger range than originally had been found.
1: Mm.
0: And so I thought we'd go through a few of those examples. Okay. So in Eagle Saga, it might not describe the fact that Eagle is very, very angry and Disappointed and frustrated, but it will show you that through the actions that he does. Hmm. So it might not tell you he was angry, but it will tell you something he does in retaliation to whatever's made him angry.
1: As a response to that anger.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there is a point where Teenage Eagle is told by his brother that he can't go raiding because he's too young or he's too little or he's not allowed to go for some other reason. Yeah. And Eagle basically goes up like a rocket. Okay. only he doesn't show it. It doesn't describe him as going up like a rocket and getting angry at his brother. Mm. He goes and sabotages his brother's ship. Uh, wh- okay, wow. and and you know, goes to town by dismantling that. And in the background to that scene as as the beautiful modern tropies for a turbulent emotional state, there's a huge big storm going on. yeah, 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 because that's the signal that your characters are. You know, psychotropic weather is a big thing, and we still haven't figured out how to stop using that as a trope.
1: Well, to be, well, yes, but I mean, they, they were writing like a thousand years ago. Yes. So, you know, maybe it wasn't that much of a trope at the time. But they, they just to go off at a slight tangent, um, speaking of like psychoreactive weather and landscapes and all that sort of thing, wasn't, wasn't there something in, was it Landnamabok or something, where they were settling Iceland? Mm. And like the landscape changes according to what the story needs and all that kind of thing. Yeah, am I remembering that Yeah, like that dramatic
0: right? story points. Yeah, it yeah.
1: does. But yeah, so okay, we have a we have a tempestuous uh, bit of weather going on.
0: Tempestuous eagle, tempestuous weather. Mm-hmm. Tempestuous, you know, taking his boot to his brother's ship, which he's just been told he can't go sailing on with his brother. So he kind of he, he basically does his best to sabotage it. Kind of, if I can't it.
1: if I can't have the loot and the glory, nobody can. Sort yeah, of deal. but yeah. he's
0: a teenager, so you know you imagine that that rage, hormone induced rage, and you've pretty much got what is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another character as well, and he's he's very much a flicks between being a hero, and taking his war band and dealing with threats in the countryside and. A monster, because he takes his warband and is the threat in the countryside. Oh, okay. And he um, goes between being a necessary hero who lives kind of on the edges because he's not involved in society. And his name is Horvada Grimkelsen. Horvada Grimkelsen. And he doesn't really live in society. He's never fully accepted, but he's never fully out of it either. He's just sort of... Bouncing around on the border. Okay. And sometimes he's the hero and sometimes he's not. Like the time when he wants to burn his own sister inside her own house and Mm. he wants to burn the house down with her still in it. Yeah. You know, not quite the hero we need and not really the one we deserve either before you even think about that line. (laughs) I wouldn't have dreamed of thinking about that line. But it's not a descent into, you know, another viewpoint... A la Anakin Skywalker where they they go from very clearly one side to another side yeah they're very much sitting in the middle and fluctuating between the two okay and Eagle does the same Well
1: probably a little more convincing than Anakin Skywalker then because I did think his his heel turn was rather too abrupt to be honest
0: uh, yes but I mean
1: they did have to fit it in basically just the like third act of a film so. and,
0: and like one conversation and it's done mm. yeah a bit much a, a little. But yeah, it's kind of like a very grey Jedi in that case. It's somebody who is capable of great deeds, terrible but great, I think the quote goes. Yep, that's, yeah. that's a one, yeah. yeah. So in Nial's saga, you have a king. Mm-hmm. And of the 37 mentions of, or descriptions of anger, 20 of them belong to him. Wow. Yeah, he's a very angry bunny. Yeah, yeah. But he's <coughs> restrained with it. Okay. So it's very much associated with his noble character. Hang on, I can do this. Go on then. Rex Eratus. Rex Eratus. The angry king. Yes. Thank you, carry on. Rex is very Eratus, mm-hmm. but he's shown as restraining it. Right. He's shown as... It's part of his noble character to manage it, okay. to recognize what he's feeling, and people can see what he's feeling, but he's not letting it go. All right, not fair letting enough. It out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's managing that anger. He's managing to still speak quietly and intelligently, even though people can see that he's very, very close to blowing his top. Yeah, he's he's holding it. So people are praising him for being quite noble and and. The epitome of of man because he's recognizing that what he's feeling is this hugely strong emotion but he's doing something about it
1: yeah but he's also not suppressing it
0: he's not denying it no he's not denying it's there okay he is feeling it fully he's just choosing how he responds to that feeling so i was thinking you know anger is not something that we have to deny Mm. But it isn't something we have to give in to either. No. It is a feeling like all the other feelings we have. Mm. But it very often, in most cases, has... Uh, it's a, a secondary emotion and it has emotions underneath it. Yeah. Which drive the anger.
1: Well, do you know, it's? this is the thing, because I've, I've... Whenever I've sort of... Whenever I've sort of been thinking about this before, and I've been thinking of, you know, all the things that cause people to do terrible things to each other, um, you know, at whatever sort of scale, I've always felt that really at the heart of things, there are only really two emotions. And and I would say possibly, probably just the one. Um, I've always thought that people tend to be driven to do bad things by either desire for something i want i want to say greed but maybe a bit more neutral is to say desire for something or fear mm. so you have you know the 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 but even then greed like you know out of control desire greed is really only the fear of not getting a thing yeah so really it comes i've always felt it sort of really only comes down to fear
0: Fear is a powerful emotion, and our negative emotions, we can feel them more powerfully than our positive ones. Mm. Yay, self defense mechanism when we were running away from things with really big pointy teeth. Indeed. Because those emotions would keep us alive. Mm. So we feel them very, very strongly. But it's recognizing when we're about, you know, when we're going into a situation where we're feeling frustrated. Yeah. Frustration is kind of a low-level anger. mm and then you can say, OK, I'm recognizing that I'm feeling frustrated. What is it that's driving that? Yeah. Where is that coming from? What is it connected to? And that self-awareness and developing our own self-awareness and developing our own emotional intelligence can then help us as heathens. yep Help us develop our connections, not only to our ancestors, to our community, but also to ourselves. Mm and recognising what things make us angry. Even if we're reading back through the sagas and we're reading through Njal's saga and looking at the king's anger yep. and thinking, yeah, mate, I would totally have lost my top at that. <laughs> and then you're keeping a lid on it. How are you doing that? And that's seen as a very noble thing. Yeah, It's seen, um, the sagas are often quite, abrupt in how they describe things. They don't have a lot of space to be very flowery with the language they're using. So they're very, very abrupt and very curt. Yeah. So if they're telling you somebody's angry, then they're absolutely hit the roof gone. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's... It seems to me like a point of reflection, especially in Njall's saga with the king's anger, mm. of 20 out of those 37 mentions of anger or angry feelings or some feeling connected with anger belong to him. So that's half of them in the saga. And yet by comparison, women stereotypically now are seen as the more emotionally articulate. But in the sagas, you look at Eagle's saga and of the 195 mentions of some kind of emotional state 11 of them refer to women wow okay and the other you know 184 all belong to the men wow and that's that was not something i expected i expected it to be the other way around
1: yeah because as you say our 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 culture i mean i'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it in. I know you, I know you've heard about it a lot in the last few days. But I'm currently reading Dracula. Um, I know. And uh, well, I say, I mean, I'm, I'm reading it. I'm having it read to me via an audiobook, book. But uh, it's, um, it's. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I've not read the actual book for many, many years, and I'd forgotten most of it. Uh, my, my memory of it primarily um, fixed, fixed on the on the 1992 movie. Um, and I'm 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 quite amazed at how much more of the book there is than <laughs> than that, and how many how much of the film isn't in the book. Um, but I, I do have a point. Um, the obviously it was written in eighteen nah, mm. ninety something, yeah, and the society that it's it portrays is obviously a Victorian English society, and. Um, it is very much, uh, you know, it, it very much follows the, 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 the sort of expectations of people at the time. And you have, it's mostly men, but you also have Madame Mina, mm-hmm. um, Mrs. Harker, or the, the Mrs. Harker after, after the first bit of the book anyway. Um, you get references to an early, uh, um, an early character, is Lucy Westenra, who, who sort of stepped out of the book after the first, the first act, so to speak. Um, but the the, the, the sort of the, the way they conduct themselves and the way they speak, it's all in very, because it would be because Bram Stoker was writing it in, at, at the time. I mean, it's for him, it was a contemporary story. It was set in his modern day. Um, but for us, we're looking at, we're reading it, and we're looking back at how things used to be back then. And it's very much a, a sort of, you know, the, there is everybody's got to, to protect Madam Mina because obviously women are very inspiring and everything, but they're very delicate, delicate and fragile and soft and squidgy and, you know, they have to be looked after. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I mean, he didn't exactly put it like that, I'll grant. Whereas the men are all very sort of noble and and, and stout and stern and all this all this sort of thing. And it, just with you saying that, it, it, it sort of is this interesting comparison to look back at these sagas when it's the guys that are sort of running around, waving their hands in the air and like shrieking at everything. Yeah. Um, whereas the women are sort of sitting there, I've got 11, I've got uh, 11, 11 references to my emotions. I'm not going to waste them.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Eagle Saga, yeah, it's this, it's this huge imbalance in, um, yes, you've got, you know, part of it is who's written that saga and when they've written it and how they've written it and what their understanding and attitude towards women's role in society is at the time but yeah, yeah. it's this huge huge difference so from there i kind of wanted to go into barbie land. okay so if you'd like to get on the back of the plastic pink tandem that's just up against that tree <laughs> We can make the
1: journey. We can. It's going to take more than the tandem, though, because that's the word.
0: It is. I was trying to think of the word for a bicycle
1: with more than one person on it. Crowded. Crowded. <laughs> How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? As many as want to. Um, and Yes, but it's going to have to be the tandem and the pink plastic speedboat. And the rocket. And a pink plastic space rocket. And the...
0: Cars. Speedboat. Oh the campervan. Camper van. Campervan. Campervan. Yeah. All right. It'll make sense when you see the film. Yeah. So, what about this film then? Tell us about this film. Well, looking at the portrayal of emotional intelligence in the film of which there is a surprisingly deep amount. <laughs> but I'm thinking most of the the last section of the film when Everything is changed.
1: Oh, potential spoilers for Barbie, by the way.
0: Yeah. And they're having a conversation around the assumptions of gender in their society and looking at toxic masculinity and patriarchy and the application of patriarchy, Mm. especially in that film. Toxic masculinity, which kind of stops men from exploring or experiencing a whole emotional range yeah. and being able to articulate those emotions. What was surprising for me was that the end of that film that Ken was able to articulate those emotions yeah, and was able to recognise in himself and be able to express those emotions in a very healthy way.
1: Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning. Um, I think it's worth just, just, just touching on um, I mean, we're using the phrase. It is a a phrase that does tend to set off a lot of debate and discussion, to put it mildly. Um, And there may be other phrases that are more fitting for it. I I don't know. But what what we are specifically referring to when we talk about toxic masculinity is not masculinity. That's very important. It's not the qualities of being a man. Oh, no. Those are sometimes lovely. Well, indeed. Um, Um, what it is, it is the in a, in in the same way that um, women often find themselves, and obviously we're not particularly touching on non-binary people here because of, that's a whole a whole different set of issues and uh, different um, limitations and prejudices and so forth. But we're just going with the uh, the, the sort of binary-ish yes. um, uh, 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 sort of generality at the moment, but. Um, in, in, well, the
0: perceptions of that binary. Yeah,
1: in much the same way that, that um, women will, um, are subject to certain limitations and certain restrictions by society itself. And even, you know, to some extent, it's the, 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 the sort of self-policing uh of your your upbringing your conditioning that tells you this is how
0: you oh, should behave god yeah internalizing stereotypes yeah. oh
1: my god yeah this is how you this is how you must behave to be a proper a proper woman
0: or to you be know, acceptable uh, uh, to have worth
1: yes Oof. um and just the same as that uh, well just i say just the same i mean you, you know yes there are it we have a society that, thanks to you know, Victorian attitudes and, and, and the way our society has evolved, yes, does favour men in many ways. However, it also imposes a set of restrictions on them and causes them to self-police and police each other in such ways as to disallow themselves from all manner of emotional and creative expression and 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 so forth it forces them into grooves that a a lot of men find it very very difficult to get out of even though they're not particularly happy there they might want to be off doing other things they might want to be expressing themselves in different ways and this is what's referred to as toxic masculinity it's not the fact that they're a man it's a fact that in order constricted yes the pressures to Match some social expectation of masculinity, prevent them from expressing themselves and from being who they really should feel they should be. They should be. I didn't know we
0: we were going this kind of. To this deep epic level, did you, lovely no. listeners? I just we, think we're just going to go there tonight. And I think it's important to define it because yeah.
1: because it is so so easy. I mean, I've seen it so many times in in it's online discussions and created
0: things. as a defensive accusation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that
1: people will say, "Oh, you 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 you're talking about being a man." No, we're not talking about being a man. We're more talking about the things that are weighing heavily on men that prevent them from coming into themselves, you know, yeah. and becoming who they who they
0: really really and are. Having options available to them that yeah. they feel they can't take yeah for out of fear out of shame out of self um internalized self-shame which mm-hmm. is the hardest thing to shift absolutely Yep. my god something yep. you, you 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 what's it pink zappy cleaner is never gonna get that stuff out no definitely not not even on like three or four applications it ain't coming out at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. So kind of tied in with that and the portrayals of emotional intelligence that we see in the sagas and the one that we happened to see in a film a few days (laughs) ago. Looking at the concept of forgiveness as it's linked to toxic masculinity. We don't, as heathens, have a, um, a tenet that says to forgive is what we have to do. To err is human, to forgive divine. Not in my divine.
1: Well, that's how it goes for
0: for, for them. Yeah, them the, them over the other side of the fence. Them yeah. them. Yeah. Which them is all good, there. you know. Yeah, no, I'm all I'm all for it. In a. So in a, in we a, we don't have that that understanding of what of the value of forgiveness, and we mm. don't have it. For me, it links into the things that we've already talked about of that toxic masculine hyper masculinized idea of i'm not ever going to forgive you i'm just going to stay righteously angry at you and i'm going to be right yeah. links into that but also we don't have a concept of understanding that forgiveness is something that we can give and is required and for we don't hold forgiveness to the same value as say a monotheistic faith
1: well, I mean that particular monotheistic faith. Yes, um, you know, I mean, you know, Jesus. Jesus taught extensively on turning the other cheek and 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 forgetting. Um, you know, I say forgetting. Forgiving is more active than forgetting. I think um, Thor
0: taught slapping the other cheek <laughs> It
1: what is one is of his
0: lesser known stories.
1: I mean, it's something that's it's something that's come to us culturally. You know, I. Richard Dawkins got into trouble some years ago because he described himself as a, as a he, he being a, a, a an absolutely, you know, frothing anti-religionist. I wouldn't even go just stop at atheist. He goes through atheist and so far in the other direction. You but it becomes a
0: zealot faith. Basically,
1: it becomes a certainly a zealotry, definitely. Um, but he got into, into trouble with, with some of his compatriots in that sort of in those circles because he described himself as a cultural christian what he meant was he'd been brought up in a a christian society and a lot of its values and a lot of its um traditions and things had percolated through to him even though he personally didn't believe in in god and and thought that uh, religious beliefs were, were were foolish and what have you and i think it's the same thing we you know even as even as polytheists of various of a couple of different stripes we still grown up in christian society so we're very familiar with these ideas of forgiveness and Mm. you know jesus teaching this and that um but do they resonate with us spiritually in the same way
0: i mean intellectually i can get on board with it Mm. spiritually it's not my thing yeah but i have to be mindful that forgiveness is for me not the other person yes when I forgive somebody, it's not for their benefit. Mm. And I've got a fairly long memory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to remember a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> and so, but I have to be mindful that that can also be part of that, you know, hypergendered, extreme I suppose toxicity it, yeah. of, you know, uh, not only. I'm not going to forgive you because that would make me less of a person, mm-hmm. but also um, uh, uh, somebody trying to manipulate a system or a situation by going to somebody and saying, You need to forgive me for this because I'm really sorry about it. And then the yeah. other person feeling under pressure to do that to excuse those actions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So forgiveness for me is kind of tangled up in all of this, and I still haven't quite finished unpacking it all yet. Well, it's
1: things to it's, it's things to, to sort of think about. I mean, I for me it goes to I don't have I don't tend to hold hold grudges certainly, um, mostly because I don't have a long memory. I'm not like you. I I, I forget things almost immediately, um, and to be honest, I just don't have the focus to be able to maintain. You know who I who I who I'm begrudged against for what. <laughs> um, but that said, you know, for me it's that that sort of links into again going back to these sort of social um, social structures and things that that have kept people so rigidly in their in their grooves for so many hundred years hundreds of years. I mean, it comes back to things like honor and you know revenge duels and things like that yeah. you know oh, you, oh, you've, I mean, you've if offended me so have a slap with my glove and we'll meet on the on the fields at dawn and all that well, kind of thing yes
0: dr james barry had that one all sewn up but yeah. for me yes i would want to replace honor with integrity well i think they mean very different things for because honor has that overtone for me of too much it can be very very easily be taken to yeah. that extreme but integrity to have integrity in something feels like a less a concept with less baggage
1: absolutely but but that would that would be the thing when you're when you're talking about honor you're talking about the concept that, I, to quote the the very bad guy who wanted to destroy the earth in the fifth element i was so going to say prob- he wasn't in barbie i probably no i probably shouldn't <laughs> I probably shouldn't quote him because he's the bad guy, but um, they
0: do get some good quotes. though. They
1: do. Zorg in *The Fifth Element*, um, played by Gary Oldman, actually. Dracula. Which
0: takes us all the way back to Dracula. Um,
1: and he 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 once he said in *The Fifth Element*, he said, "Honor has killed millions of people. It's never saved a single one." Yes. i don't know exactly whether that's that's numerically completely true but i certainly agree that you know honor is the thing you use when you want an excuse to have a duel with someone or you want an yeah. excuse to
0: and suddenly i'm remembering geralt's quote about evil lesser middling, greater it makes no difference evil is still evil and if
1: i have to choose the lesser evil i prefer not to choose at all
0: yeah yeah
1: i didn't work out very well for him but yeah i, I can i can see his thinking
0: yeah me too So yeah, lovely listeners, we've kind of given you a whole load to think about in a very short space of time. Yeah, rather. Yeah, we've gone from sagas to Dracula to Barbie to Zorg (laughs) to The Witcher to The Witcher, Mm, the Witcher via Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, actually, that was sorry. I'm still stuck on The Witcher. Carry on.
1: I can, I can, I can't blame you in the slightest. Oh no. Um. I, I think... Uh,
0: Ooh, also in, ties into Mulvey's male gaze theory, but maybe that's another podcast.
1: Who am I, whose gaze? Sorry, I was just thinking about Geralt and Yennefer and Yaskia.
0: Oh dear. It's one of those thoughts, isn't it? Do you need to cool down? I mean, I can just fan you for a bit.
1: I was just trying to work out the whose gaze was going where, that's all.
0: Well... Um, that, that could be a whole other podcast. Yes. Anyway,
1: um, no, I was going to say um, the the uh, the thing I was going to mention, because you did talk about Anakin earlier. And when you were talking about your king, um, yes. who was able to feel the anger, but still sort of control it and stay on top of it and yeah. still function. Um, he, there's there's been much discussion um, about, you know, anybody who's familiar with the, the, the overall plot of the Star Wars films and many of the, the sort of supplementary TV shows and things, um, it's generally agreed that the, the big war that resulted in the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire, mm. the Clone War, was actually enabled in part by the corruption of the Jedi, the unwitting corruption, yes. But the fact that they had become so set in their and um, then highly political. traditions, uh, yes, and they became very political and they became militarily active.
0: Yeah, um, not a good combination with your superpowered beings, really.
1: Exactly, um, but they became so obsessed with. Not. They wanted to sort of stamp out emotion. They they wanted to purge it from their 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 recruits their novices their mm. their padawans, train, trainees and whatever. They, you know most of Teach the training. Teach was... to let go. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was all about getting rid of the emotions, suppressing it completely, and you know people have said that's where the problem came in. They made themselves fragile because they, they didn't, didn't learn
0: experience to... that full range
1: yeah whereas what they should have been doing was something more like your king so it, it, you know acknowledge the emotion yeah feel it feel it don't yeah. deny it it's part of you yes you know yeah. but process it properly and function through it yes and and that that sort of occurred to me as a as a, as a kind of a thing that you know for a lot of our history a lot of human history our societies haven't really let us do either as you say it's been all about um you know you've got to act almost entirely driven by your emotion and look for revenge and look for you know uh, all this or you've got to completely um uh, sort of you're not allowed to express it because that's not what we do
0: no and maybe it is i mean the havamol talks about finding that middle ground finding that balance mm which is not an excuse to be lazy and just go, oh, well, I'll just sit in the middle bit. Mm, it's mm. incredibly hard to keep a middle course, yeah. to feel an emotion and acknowledge that you're feeling it. You don't have to deny it. You can just go and sit in it for a while and experience it and learn how to articulate it. But to develop your emotional intelligence, to develop your self-awareness to a point, where you can say, this is what I'm feeling at the moment yeah. and be able to articulate that without dropping like some of our heroes into total senseless rage and smash up your brother's shit because you don't get to go <laughs> and you're having a teenage tantrum. Being, we we
1: keep saying that. We do. Sorry, not hashtag not all teenagers. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs>
0: hashtag not all teenagers.
1: We're just remembering being teenagers, that's all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Okay, enough of that. I'm going to go back to Henry Cavill. Lovely listeners. Fair. we can leave you around. Fight you for him. <laughs> You're on. <wrong. laughs> He's gone anyway, ain't he? I know.
1: Can have Liam Hemsworth instead. Well. For next season. I know. I'm sure he'll do a great job. I've no particularly problem with that. I do think I do think Henry Cavill's done a really good job with it, though.
0: I uh, yes. I mean, all I'm saying is if Henry Cavill wants to sit opposite me at a table and talk me through his latest PC specs with the Geralt voice, I am copely happy with this. (laughs) It's
1: it's Geralt voice (laughs) then. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like that. Basically. I'm good for this. Speaking of men with little emotional (laughs) intelligence and being able to express themselves accurately. (laughs) But... Lovely listeners, we have talked about a whole lot of stuff. And you're probably going to need a a little bit of time just to maybe process all of this Mm -hmm. and go and look things up for yourself. So as per usual, we'll throw some links into the description for you to have and explore. But yeah, come and find us online. Come and let us know what you think. Come and add to these discussions and these debates about maybe what it the portrayals of masculinity in the sagas and what you feel they are today and whether you feel they are a healthy thing today or whether we still need to work on things together as a society yeah. to allow all members of our society to be able to express emotion and going to creative ranges that they may not feel that they're able to do at the moment. Yeah. So lovely listeners Thank you very much for joining us for this kind of mad dive into, like, pop culture and sagas and anger management and anger and frustration and toxic masculinity <coughs> and forgiveness.
1: And Jedi and vampires.
0: And Jedi and vampires.
1: And Jedi vampires. gem Jempi- Ooh!
0: Jampires.
1: Jampires.
0: <laughs> We're back to the
1: ambushes again, aren't we? That's going to be... that. You'd, you'd really struggle with a Jedi vampire, wouldn't you?
0: You would. By God. It's not like a locked door is going to be a problem, is it?
1: Even Kate Beckinsale would have a work cut out there.
0: Well, of course it would anyway. True. Yeah. Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you with that image. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Come and join us again in a mere fortnight's time for a story time.
1: Sorry, I was distracted.
0: I know you were. It's alright, you, you just you take a minute It's okay
1: If you want to find us online uh, You can <laughs> You can find us on Facebook uh, At Frithcastpod Just do fb.com Slash frithcastpod uh, Come and join us on our little community there And there's a link there to our Discord Which is our virtual virtual campfire You'd be very welcome to come and have a chat to us uh, Suzanne Yes You can be found I can, indeed.
0: As Moving Suzanne, on. as Suzanne Martin. Okay, on Facebook. fine. <laughs> on Facebook, and currently on what remains of Twitter. Yes. Yes. The,
1: the ruins.
0: The ruination of Twitter. What is X Twitter? What is X Twitter? Um, yes, in lots of different ways. Actually, that works quite a few it ways. Does rather, it does, Yeah, quite like that. So yes, you will find me on there at Githa in Jeans. You will also find me on Facebook at Suzanne Martin. And um, yeah, come and say hi.
1: And if you want to find me, you can find me on Facebook, Kate Coldwind. And uh, I also have a shabby shambolic uh, blog at squalllines.net. That's s q u hang on, s q u a l l hyphen l i n e s dot net. Yeah, you're very welcome to come and have a look at that if you've got absolutely nothing better in your life to do. It's all good. <laughs> I like it there, actually. Next next time, episode 162,
0: story time, you said? It's story time. Awesome. Yeah, bring your good biscuits, lovely listeners. <laughs> We're going there. We will talk to you all next time for a story time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.